0: Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda and I'm Jake Bennett and welcome to episode 76 of the North Meet South Web podcast. Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, It is
1: episode 76. It is a crazy time right now. Uh, We've got the George Floyd protests going on and I say that not because we're going to discuss that on the show, although I think it is a very important topic and I think this is super relevant uh it is also this is not a political podcast Mm. and there's a lot of hurting people out there right now and a lot of people concerned about the direction of this country and uh they're taking that frustration and that anger out in different ways uh and it's a little bit scary i'll be honest it's kind of crazy what's going on here so um, yeah. I think I say that only as like a commentary for future me so that I remember kind of what's going on as we're recording this. But I think that's my mood right now. It's just kind of like a little bit, I don't know, unsettled for sure. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm just unsettled, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. It's
0: a bit worrying just seeing everything unfolding from here with, yeah. obviously, the, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back. I I I won't say it's the thing that started it. I think it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, Thousand percent
1: agree with that. Yeah,
0: it's it's the you know the protests that are becoming riots. The just all the footage of national guard coming in, and you know we've got law enforcement that are arresting journalists on air. We've got law enforcement that are shooting rubber bullets and paintballs and things like that at journalists on air. All the footage that that's been across Twitter, it's, it's hard to avoid, you know, all of the excessive force that's being used, you know. And and seeing the the responses from some people that, you know, the protester was up in the policeman's face, which somehow justifies the policeman shoving someone to the ground or beating them with their, you know, their nightstick and things like that. Like, you can get people out of your way. They're, they're trained to do it properly. And, and this is... It's top-down incitement that you know anyway it's 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 tough to see if you're in areas that are sort of more affected you know obviously you're a little bit removed but Chicago New York uh, in in Jersey yesterday anyone that's listening in any of those places you know Georgia, Los Angeles just now the I saw the mayor a couple of hours ago called in the the governor to um have the national guard deployed just stay safe out there it it, it's tough it's tough to watch and it's it's not good and look i hope that that things get better and i'm sure that they will but we don't know how how bad they'll get before that happens so to everyone out there just just stay safe and and you know try and look out for each other
1: yeah for sure so, hey, with that, with that, we will move on. And we, you and I were both uh, kind of at the beginning of the show like, what are we talking about today? What are we doing? What are we going to do here? You're so, nice. I actually, um, I pulled up a couple of things that I thought were really interesting uh, that I've been looking at this last week and thought I could, I could share some of those uh, items. So... A few of those are links and uh, maybe just some interesting items to talk through. So I'm actually going to share those with you real fast uh, through yeah. Telegram. The first one that I wanted to talk about was actually um, kind of related to this uh, thing called the Mikado method. Have you ever heard of this? I haven't. Tell me, tell okay. me what this is. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So I had a problem the other day where um, I was actually going through some code that Wilbur Powery had written, which was awesome code, right? So we used Livewire to do a lot of it, which was amazing. Uh, but we had some new requirements come in and as is so often the case, like you can't predict the future. So there's no way to know kind of what you need to write in advance. Right. So a lot of the things for the way that we had written it previously needed to change. So as I got in there and you'll, you'll recognize this problem that happens, you get in there and you start working on, you look at it and it seems very simple. And then you get about, you know, maybe 30% 30% through the problem, solving the problem that you're trying to solve. And you run into a roadblock that is, oh, well, if I do that this way, then I have this other thing that needs to change. And so you start working on that thing. And then you get about 30% into that and you find another thing that's like, oh, well, if I'm going to do that, then I have to do this, right? So let me just give a concrete example. What we were doing is we were we basically started uh, by building this almost like this mini ticketing system. And the way that we did it was somebody could claim a ticket as Their own, and the way that we looked at it is, we said, well, if they're coming to it for the first time and nobody is assigned to this ticket yet, then they're claiming it for themselves. So go ahead Mm -hmm. and check to see if the user ID is blank. Go ahead and assign it to that user by just sending that user ID. uh, No problem, right? And so, problem was we were now going to let the users, uh, not the not the users that were working it, but the users that were originally creating the ticket, be able to view it through that same route. So what could happen is you'd end up with a user viewing it and claiming it for themselves on accident. Like Mm -hmm. they created the ticket and then they go look at it and oops, the user ID is blank for the person who's going to be doing the ticket. So they claim it for themselves. Well, that's obviously not Mm -hmm. correct. That doesn't work. So we have to change that. Okay. So now we have to change how that works. And then it was like, okay, well, should this actually be the main view instead of like some notes view? Because it doesn't make sense to actually have them separately because the notes view is the main view. Okay. So now we have this whole other thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, the idea is sort of like, Pickup sticks. If you've ever played that game, pickup sticks, where you basically have a bunch of sticks and you kind of scatter them on the ground, and your goal is to just take one stick away at a time without kind of affecting or, or messing with the rest of the sticks, mm-hmm. um, and that's where this name Mikado comes from. That's a, the actual name for that game. Is not pickup sticks, but it's called Mikado. So the Mikado huh. method is basically a method to do safe changes in a complex code base. Is the idea of it. Um, So Mm -hmm. largely untested, poorly documented code bases can be really difficult to work with or reason about. And you can't move fast in a complex database or or code base. And in the situation I'm talking about, it wasn't even like, it's not even super legacy, right? Uh, But the idea is whenever you fix one problem, two more arise, right? And Mm -hmm. so this structured way uh, to make valuable changes basically says the only way to Solve this problem is to do a little piece at a time. The only way to eat an elephant is a bite at a time, right? So here's the process. Step number one, grab a piece of paper. Like start with a piece of paper. Number two, set your goal. So in my case, it would be, uh, what was the way that I'm trying to remember even what my root goal was in this thing. My root goal was to be able to make it so that users could view the notes uh, of this sort of ticket, right? So that was my goal. Mm -hmm. Set your goal Write it down at the top of the piece of paper or at the center. It doesn't really matter. Just keep space for other items. So then you try to achieve your goal within a very short time period. So like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. It's, the author of this article suggests 10 minutes. So uh, if you failed to make your changes in that period of time, you undo any changes that you made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the crazy part to me. It's like you literally yeah. say, like, you know, that, that um, command that Jeffrey Way uses, nah. And and it's just like, get reset hard and clear everything, like clear your working branch. It's that. Do that. Nah. And then it says, think about what's missing. So what do you need to do to change, to make your goal easier? And now you have a new sub goal. So what's the little thing that you're Mm -hmm. going to be doing now? Write that down on your piece of paper, attach it to the goal that you originally tried to achieve and start over from that new sub goal. So what you start with is you start with a basically like a tree and now you're making branches and leaves off of this thing. So the idea is to get down to a small unit of change that you can get done within 10 minutes and then commit that, check the goal you achieved on the paper, and then start over with the next one.
0: Right. And so you end up going back up the tree until... Yep. That's right. That's exactly
1: right. So it basically allows you to discover the dependencies of that thing that you're trying to change by basically limiting yourself to saying, I have 10 minutes to solve a problem. And if I can't solve it in that amount of time, it's too big of a problem. Break it down into a smaller step. Still can't solve it. Still too big. Break it down. Still can't solve it too big. Break it down. And so what you end up happening is like, basically you're iterating through and branching out and discovering what are all the little pieces that depend on each other. And then, uh, the great thing about it is when you revert those changes, you're, you don't have to keep anything in your brain anymore. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're also starting fresh with the knowledge that you gained from the last cycle. So, you know, like, okay, I basically, I have a clean slate. I'm starting over. I don't have to worry about anything. And now I'm just saying like, I'm solving this little tiny problem and that's easy to solve. And you have written down on paper, all the other things that you still need to do to, to actually solve your original goal. But you can come back to code at the end of, uh, you know, today. So like today, at the end of today, you can say, I've gotten these five things done, committed, push them up. Mm -hmm. And you're not stuck with like, where am I? Right. When you come back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So he's actually got a real example, uh, for he's like upgrade his ORM, which is obviously a massive change. Right. And so he starts there and then finds out like, I actually need to extract the query method and extract the dump method. Okay. Pick one of those. I'm okay. I'm going to extract the query method. All right. Now I'm going to try and do that. And he kind of goes and goes and goes. Right. And, um, it, it, obviously, the, the branches and the leaves grow quite large, uh, but he is able to accomplish all those things uh, quite simply uh, You know, after a while of, of doing these cycles. And he gets it down mm-hmm. to about 10 minutes worth of work. Nice. I love this idea. I really, yeah. really like this idea.
0: It sounds very powerful. We have a our main sort of customer overview page is in desperate, desperate need of a rewrite. And one of my team is like, just let me rewrite it. I'm like, you can't, this is like 10 years of legacy in this page. You yeah. can't just rewrite it because it's 10 years of legacy and it does all kinds of things that you'll miss. There's obscure behaviors that you'll miss. There's things that don't look like they're used that probably are. And because it's legacy and because it's, you know, old, there's no test for it. So if you change something or remove something or whatever, you don't know that it still does when you rewrite it what it did before. So I think this is a really good way to sort of pick bits and pieces. And it's kind of what we've been doing. We haven't changed the overall structure of that page, but we've been slowly rewriting bits and pieces of it to use Laravel, to use controllers, to have tests for those endpoints. It's it's kind of gnarly because we've got the page loads with two panels. Um, and we, so we're using Bootstrap and there's a panel which is the customer which has things like notes, billing, transactions, um, any customer contact, things like that. And then we've got uh, an accordion for services, which is individual connections. So Mm -hmm. where you've got a, a, a broadband service or you've got a fixed wireless service or whatever, and then we list them out. And then each one of those service panels in the accordion has a service overview. It has a plan tab. It has a troubleshooting tab, a diagnostics tab, a history tab. Um, wow, and, yeah. and things like that. So there's like eight or ten tabs for each of these services, and each time you click on one of those tabs, it sends uh, a JSON request uh, or an AJAX request off to load some JSON. And the JSON, some of it has been rewritten, some of it hasn't been. It's, it's, it's nasty, <laughs> and it's. It's
1: practically so. And, basically, it's not rewriting one page; it's rewriting eighty pages because you got ten this, services, yeah. eight tabs apiece. Right? It's mm-hmm. like eighty pages, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah.
0: So you know, and and picking off bits and pieces like so, we've done bits and pieces already, um, and rewritten into new things. But there's just like everything is on the. It, this was designed to be like this wacky god page where everything gets done, where everything about a customer can be accessed, and it's and there's like some things are are done via Bootstrap modals. Some things take you to another page. There's no <laughs> consistency in that. Um, There's no consistency in styling because we've started using Tailwind for some pieces and we've, you know, bootstrap for others. So really the whole thing needs a a fresh coat of paint, but it needs time from my team, you know, amongst other priorities. Obviously, priorities are new features, new functionality, things like that. Not let's rewrite this page. And then it needs buy-in from the rest of the business, which is the most important thing for the business to say, this is the important stuff and this is what needs to work. It's not just a matter of a developer sitting down for a day or a week or whatever and rewriting yeah, the page. Right. Because it's like the you developer need to is figure out the business requirements, yeah. Correct. Cuz the, the developer is not the person that uses it day to day that knows what's used most and and what's used least and what kind of has to be there but isn't used very often and and you've got to kind of figure out what needs to be front of you know front and center, what needs to be tucked away but not more than sort of two clicks away kind of things. So Yeah. It seems like a simple process to rewrite this one page, but when you start to pick it apart, as you say, the elephant needs to go one bite at a time. Correct. There's a lot there, and it's not something that you would entrust to one person just tucked away in a corner doing it because it won't end well. doesn't matter whether it's me or one of my other developers. Like, something will go amiss.
1: Yeah. So, kind of, that's really kind of where I arrived at with, this webpage. So this Mikado method is um, part of a larger website, uh, which is called UnderstandLegacyCode.com. So this is created by a guy named Nicholas Carlo, who I believe is a Ruby developer out of mm-hmm. Montreal, Canada, and he founded the Software Crafters Montreal community. Uh, which cares about building maintainable software. And so on his site, understand legacy code, he's got changing messy software without breaking it. And he's got all these articles. There's probably about 20 of them. I have read maybe five and they're all Mm -hmm. like a gold mine. They literally feel like they're really, they're super well written. The page is styled super well, which I mean say what you will. But to me, that speaks to somebody who really cares about their craft and is like really invested in making sure this stuff is good. And in the blog posts themselves read really well. So if mm-hmm. you find yourself needing to interact with legacy code or, or define what legacy code is and, and how you can kind of work with it, I'm telling you right now, this is a super valuable resource that I have found to be very, very helpful. So he talks about the Mikado method. He also talks about the strangler pattern, which is something mm-hmm. kind of what you were just talking about, right? Where yeah. it's like you're taking little bits and pieces and you're kind of converting them over to Laravel. So mm-hmm. um, I think the strangler pattern, as I've talked to like about this with Matt Stauffer, the way that I've heard him talk about how they kind of do that at Titan is they will essentially make a cutover to say, all right, all this stuff uses Laravel now. So we're going to put a Laravel like routing mechanism in the very front of it. But for the start of it, it may be that 99% of it, all, the, all that Laravel is doing is just acting as a route map. And all it does is the the route comes into Laravel and Laravel says, oh, I'll forward that on to the correct location. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all it does. But what it gives you is it gives you this in-between sort of proxy layer that allows you to over time replace those different pieces with Laravel components, right? And being able to use Laravel to do your testing and those sorts of things. So that strangler pattern, and, and I think he talks about that here. Let me see. Yeah, avoid rewriting a legacy system from scratch by strangling it. So he gives a, a good example of what that looks like in practice. He talks about where that comes from, where the naming of it actually comes from, and then how to also uh, do that do that pattern really effectively. So st- strangle this old code instead of mm-hmm. rewriting the whole, the whole code base. Because what ends up happening, we've all seen that happen. Uh, when you have to rewrite a code base, it's like you start green, and then... You have to implement not only all the existing features, but all the new features that come in while you're doing the rewrite. And so what ends up happening is it never ships. They just take yep. they take too long.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's nasty. I like this. There's an article on this understanding legacy code website that I've just had a quick skim over, but probably well we will need, you know, a deeper dive. It's called Earn Future Maintainers Esteem by Writing Simple ADRs. And an ADR is an architecture design a decision record so essentially for oh, every change course. that you make you would write down um the status so you would say you know we're going to do this and then the status is you know under under discussion or you know whether it's been accepted or whatever and then you put dates in there, you provide context around why you you have made the des- decision what the decision is and what the consequences of that decision are so when things are changed you've got a, a record of that so uh, this looks like a really solid website. I think Nicholas has got a uh, a newsletter as well, where every Wednesday he shares practical tips to help people work with legacy code. So um, we will link this up in the show notes. It looks like a really good resource if if you need to do any refactoring of legacy code in in your day to day, or you know if you've got a side project that you're refactoring or whatever. Some good things to keep in mind. Some of these things are the kinds of things that you you learn from the trenches, and and you learn by by making that that terrible mistake of let's just rewrite this page it nine times out of ten is gonna bite you on the keister
1: yeah yeah and so I, I had been actually looking at his uh twitter feed not too long ago and when you were just talking about uh you said you said it's nothing that, that rewrite is nothing you would entrust to a single person right because there's mm-hmm. guaranteed going to be something that somebody knows about that you forgot about right yeah and uh nick nicholas talks about this idea of not pair programming but mob programming Yep. right i don't know if you've you ever heard of this this is the first yeah this is the first time I've, I've ever heard of this but he basically says all the navigators share the cognitive load so he's got like five or six people right and it says like you know all the front end people will catch the front end issues all the SQL experts will remember the database exports all the whatever right all the business level people remember that so like you basically are going through it together like you just yep. say Hey, we're going to dedicate the time. We're going to take 6 of us and we're all going to do this together, right? Yeah. We I did this know. on
0: on Friday actually. Did you? Okay. It was yeah, it was like 3:30 on on Friday afternoon. We were we were struggling with this bug that wasn't sure of it and I just opened up Slack in our developer chat. I hit call and we're all we're all there on the phone. And I said, "Right. <laughs> let's work through this <laughs> as a team because this needs to be fixed before we go home today." And, um, you know, it boiled down to it. We, we suspect it was a race condition or well, not a race condition. It was a con- concurrency issue where we would say, do we need to do this thing? Then we would log that we did the thing. And there was a reason that we did it this way. So I'll, I'll loop back to that. So we logged that we did the thing and then we did the thing. Right. So yeah. do I need to do this? I've done it. I'm doing it now. For whatever reason, the I'm doing it step would time out. Mm. So the job would fail because of that timeout. It would go back onto the queue. Laravel would pick it up and it would go, Should I do this thing? Oh, I've already done the thing. So I won't do that thing yeah. again.
1: Yeah. Right. Except
0: it hadn't done the thing.
1: Correct. Right.
0: So I said, Okay, well, this seems like an easy fix. Move the I've done the thing to after I'm doing the thing. And that way, at least if it fails, we won't say we've done Oh, no, but we had to say that we'd done the thing because in certain situations, we need to say that we had done the thing, even if we didn't do the thing. I said, (sighs) it's 3.30 on a Friday and we need to fix this so we're not fighting with it over the weekend. Let's just wrap the condition in an if statement and put it on either side of the I'm doing the thing, right? So we've got to... (laughs) If the service is active, do real it here. life hashtag real yeah. life development. Right? Oh, It was it was a mess. So it's like if the service is active, say you've done the thing, then do the thing, and then after that, say if the service is not active, say you did the thing. So we we had that, and it was just yeah. And look, tomorrow we're going to find out why that's a problem. And we'll fix I bet, it properly. I bet you I
1: can tell you why. I bet you I can tell you why. Because we have a similar problem. So we have this email inbox that we monitor. And we it's an Outlook 365 inbox. And so what we do is the very first step in that process is to move it out of the inbox. And mm-hmm. we have to do that. Because otherwise, it's going to get picked up by that same process a minute later. Right? So it's like... Yeah you know, it sounds similar to your situation where it's like, we did the thing. So it's like, so it doesn't pick it up again next time. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Okay. No, you already did that. Right. So, which is fine, um,
0: except in the case of the thing failing, (laughs) Right. Correct.
1: Yeah. So like if you, if you're saying, Hey, don't pick me up again, I've already been claimed, but then it fails then. Yeah. That doesn't work. So it's like, you have to have a separate condition almost that says, no, 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 the thing's not done. But it's been picked up to be done already, and then yeah, yeah, it's it's a complicated problem. It's a complicated problem. I I can understand that. So yes,
0: and we we're, we're not yeah. sure why that it will time out, and the problem that we have is that Horizon will swallow exceptions, and it'll just say because uh, you won't get the exception that triggered the job to fail to get retried. Right, that failed to re. You just get the exception at the end that says. Um, that it timed out or was retried too many times, yeah. Like, but, but what caused you to retry in the first place? Tell me. Right. Tell me your secrets, Horizon. Yeah. So, so sometimes,
1: sometimes what we'll do, in that, it, like I think, are, do you guys do Sentry?
0: Yeah. So we've wrapped it all in a try catch, and we're throwing a report in that catch. Okay. Yeah. That's um, all I was gonna say. So yeah, that's why we, we did that. That's why we did now, so we can find out, and we put some more logging in there just to figure out because the the stack trace essentially showed that we would send a request so we're using zttp because it's an older piece of code so we haven't used the the http stuff that's built into laravel now sure so we're using zttp and it looks like the response like we get we we get the request in the stack trace but we don't actually get a response but we can't see the timeout on the other side so we control both the client and the server in this situation but from the server that we're sending the request to we don't see any errors we don't see the timeout we see it, things Nothing. happening as they should. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we don't, like, unless it's timing out when it hits the, the HA proxy, that's the only thing that we uh, can think of. Sure. The, like, the, the proxy is too busy to, to take the request and then pass it on to the workers. That That's a possibility, maybe. But it's it's very hard to diagnose because we don't control. And this is when you start to get to a certain size and a certain scale where you have different teams that manage different parts of your infrastructure you don't necessarily have access to all of the pieces of your stack. And so when we send a request from here to there via here, if you don't have access to here, you don't know what happened here before it went to there.
1: Yeah, it's like invisible. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally with you on that, like a thousand percent because there are certain situations where like our IT teams have access to certain particular things that I don't. Um, Yeah. Or other times for compliance, or like,
0: for certification, for whatever. Yeah, we yeah. don't have access to our our proxy servers, so and it's very or, hard like, the, to or like the
1: firewall or something stupid yeah. like that, right? Like I don't directly manage our firewall; like our yeah. it our IT team does that, right? So
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Or um, there's this one there's this one proxy server in our DMZ that I can't get to. So like every time I want to yeah. make a change, it could be super small. I have to contact IT and set up a time mm-hmm. after hours to go do that. Mm-hmm. Oh my word, it's a nightmare. Which mm-hmm. I can talk about that a little bit later because we, we were messing with Cloudflare with uh, to solve that problem, which I think is interesting. So I'd love to talk to you about that. But yeah, one other uh, resource I wanted to share for any of you who may be doing refactoring or legacy code or actually just looking for some good patterns to use if you're into like, um, like programming patterns, right? Like Gang of Five sort of stuff. There's a site called Refactoring Guru, which I've picked up a lot of good tips from. Uh, so it's refactoring.guru. So basically, you can. it has um, this catalog of all of these different design patterns. So they have like creational patterns and structural patterns and behavioral patterns. And then they give code examples in all sorts of different languages like C Sharp, Java, Python, PHP, Ruby, TypeScript, C++. They have all mm-hmm. sorts of them. And um, they, they do a, it's number one, again, it's really well designed. Uh, number two, the content is just killer. It's awesome. And number three, discovering kind of which pattern applies in your situation is mm-hmm. also really easy because they give great examples for which situation you want to use. So uh, just for example, for the creational patterns, they have some they have stuff like the factory method or the prototype, uh, or I'm sorry, the factory method pattern or the prototype pattern or the builder pattern or the singleton pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you've heard of some of these before, but you're not really sure exactly what it is. You can click into it. It gives you uh, great illustrations. It gives you uh, the overall intent of the pattern. It kind of explains, here's a problem you might be dealing with. And here are the solutions that this pattern provides. And then here's a real-world analogy and a structure, uh, as well Mm -hmm. as some code that you could use to implement this in your own code base. It's really solid, and I have benefited a ton from using this. They also have a book. That they have for their design patterns and a premium course I, as well, I think. But uh, their free course is is just incredible. So yeah, this you looks really definitely good. Definitely check well. that out. It, it is super, super good. Yeah. So and actually, this is like the thing that got me started on state machines. They actually have in their behavioral. I know in their behavioral patterns section, they talk about state, the state pattern. Uh, so it's it's pretty solid. I won't I won't mm-hmm. go into it, but the state pattern there does a really good job of explaining it
0: itself. Um, nice. Yeah, so that's really really good too. This book is on sale at the moment, is it? Ooh, it's normally, well, it's it's even Australian dollars. I love it. It's normally forty seven ninety five Australian. It is currently on sale for twenty nine ninety five. So that's you know probably like five dollars in a, in America. Um, I think it's, it's
1: thirty in US, and it's twenty dollars it. for the spring sale.
0: There you go, uh, on sale. Uh, I'm going to buy this right now because it looks good. Uh, it's the website really good. looks great. Yeah, log in with GitHub. That makes it even easier. Look at that. So these guys are solid. This is really good stuff. Yeah. All right, checking it out. Hey, speaking of premium courses, let's talk old about mate, it. Old mate, Jonathan Rennick, after announcing his course at Laracon US last year, the Perf- Eloquent Performance Patterns course. Yeah. Yep. It is launching this Tuesday, the second of June. So he announced it overnight for me. So. Fresh information. Uh, I think it's there's a there's two versions of the course. There's the the base package, which is going to be on sale. The launch price will be $99 US. Um let's let me get this up so that I've got that the real information here. There is where'd it go? Come back. There it is. All right. So there are 28 video lessons, there is over two hours of content and you get the full source code in MySQL, Postgres and SQLite where applicable. The regular price will be $249 with a launch price of $149. And there's also the, as I said, the the cheaper package at $99, which will be regularly priced at $149. That includes 22 videos, but not the source code. So if you've been following Jonathan on Twitter for the last few months, he's been tweeting out lots of Tips. lots of work that he's been putting into the course he's been talking if you've been on his mailing list he's been sending out sample videos and things like that i've picked up some things sort of that i've known but but not really applied and and being able to 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 see someone sort of give that information to me in a in like a digestible way and just explain not only like this is the approach but this is why has been really good. So I'm really looking forward to this course. This is one that not only will I buy, I will actually endeavor to watch in a timely manner.
1: Yeah. It's so good. Like there's so many things that he does in this course that I, I like watch and I'm like, that's possible. You can do that. I, I mm-hmm. mean, so many things that I've tried to solve in like a hundred different ways. It's like, you can just do that right in Eloquent and, or right yeah. in MySQL or whatever. Yeah. Um. It's, it's a really, really good course. And I think what he said is, he said, good luck watching this on Double Speed. Um, yeah, he's right? because he's jammed a lot of stuff said, in there. Yeah, he said, like, I really value your time. And I know that, like, you know, basically people's time is limited. So mm-hmm. you don't have forever to, like, listen to Fluff and, like, me do a whole bunch of whatever. So he, it does. He, he crams it in there. And so it's, yeah. it is jam-packed uh, full of uh, good content and I've I've watched a couple of his his videos that he's kind of put out as teasers and they're super solid super super solid yeah.
0: yeah definitely looking forward to a lot of a lot of stuff that you'll pick up in this course will apply especially if you're in application spaces where you where you need to scale things up it's always nice to have the luxury of designing databases from the ground up as many of us do with Laravel for those of us who have inherited legacy structures there's going to be a lot of tips in here that are going to help you um, improve queries against some of those older structures that, that in my experience, are a little bit thrown together. So, and certainly being able to then leverage some of the power of Eloquent to to do things with sub sub selects, with sub queries, with uh, raw indexes, you know, things like that that you might not consider. There's there's a lot of stuff in here that'll be really good. So, definitely check that out. Uh, we'll have links to the course page in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Speaking of things you should check out, we would like to thank our sponsor this week, uh, Fathom Analytics. So use fathom.com slash north is where you can go to get a free trial as well as money towards your first month using Fathom. And so Fathom Analytics is fast, simple analytics for your website. And it also happens to be privacy focused one of the new things that they just released actually is custom domains and the new embed code options and what this allows you to do is this allows you to bypass ad blockers so this is a big thing that's a problem for stuff like google analytics which is that ad blockers just block it anymore you don't ever get that information because the javascript widget is just blocked straight out mm-hmm. uh, i know on all of the stuff that i load on every single page i'm i'm loading ad blocker and i'm loading ghostery which kills all of that stuff so you never yeah. it, they never even see me Uh, But with this, they bypass ad blockers by uh, allowing you to load that code in from your own custom domain. So it's not really sneaky either. You know, some people would say, oh, well, if people want to block my stuff, they should be able to. And I, I, I feel you. I hear that. But uh, this is a really privacy focused company to begin with. They don't use cookies to do any of the tracking. This doesn't follow them around the internet. It's very focused on making sure that the users can have privacy that they deserve. Um, And so this is a pretty cool feature, and it's going to make sure that you're getting all of the traffic, uh, or, or sorry, analytics from all the traffic that you're receiving. Uh, They also do a great job making sure that all this information is digestible. So they give you a one page sort of dashboard that allows you to see how many unique visits you have, how many page views you have, average of the time on the site, bounce rate, goal completions, uh, and it's all real time as well. So their dashboards are gorgeous, look great, and everybody who I've talked to who's using, who's using it has nothing but really good things to say about it. So definitely check out Fathom Analytics. Use fathom.com slash north to get your free trial as well as, I think it was, was it $25 towards? Uh, I, think it's, I, think, I think it's $20. $20 towards, uh, towards mm-hmm. your subscription there. So definitely check yep. that out. Thanks, Fathom. Okay, so the other thing that I was going to talk about was Cloudflare Argo. So I'm assuming you know what Cloudflare is. Mm-hmm. Is I'm Cloudflare available
0: Cloudflare? for you in uh, Aussie land? Yeah, they, they just launched a pop in my hometown a couple of nice. months ago. So, that's pretty yeah. awesome. They provide yep. a ton so of amazing services. Nine but, milliseconds away from me now.
1: Wow, that's super cool. That's super cool. So one of the cool things that they do is that global DNS stuff, right? Like 1.1.1.1. Mm-hmm. And so they want to uh, make it really easy to get DNS resolution through them. And I think the other thing they do is they try and make sure that like nothing is censored, right? I think it's kind of the goal with that. Yeah. But also, they I think have they the... just
0: launched a new DNS product, but they specifically do censor stuff. There's like, they do. A, it's it's a kid friendly or something. Correct.
1: Or... Yeah. It's like they have two different levels. There's like a kid friendly mm. one, and then I think there's like. Eh. There's like a family one and then there's like a not as family, but still restricting some content Mm. Uh, and it's all for free, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I turned the family one on and like my Roku wouldn't connect anymore. So (laughs) (laughs) I had to turn it back off, (laughs) Uh, but I thought I'd give it a try and see how it worked. Um, uh, And oh, and Fortnite wouldn't connect either. Graham couldn't, uh, my son Graham couldn't do like voice chat with his friends. But a lot of the product that they offer is uh, DNS, and then also they provide proxies for all of your DNS stuff, where they'll they'll help with uh, stuff like DDoS attacks or even cross site scripting attacks or things like that. They use uh, a lot of intelligence in their front end. Uh, as you pass your request through Cloudflare, they actually have like they basically have like a little machine there who's inspecting all the requests, and then they'll pass it along to you. So here's the situation that we had and I'll explain it quickly and and hopefully it makes sense. And, uh, I'll give some context and some applications for why it might be useful to you. Mm -hmm. So the situation that we have is that we have a server that lives inside of our network that needs to be exposed to the outside world. Uh, so I need to have a app.example.com and the app.example.com on the outside needs to point to an internal IP address. This is okay, uh, but the reason why this is problematic is if somebody hacked that server, they're now inside my network, right? So if they can get in through yep. HTTP or HTTPS, they have access to all sorts of stuff that they should not have access to. So as part of our compliance rules, what the what the company uh, that's auditing us makes us do is they makes us, make us have a host outside of our firewall that accepts the request and then proxies that request to our internal server server through our firewall, right? So Mm -hmm. then all we do is we say our internal server, you only allow traffic from this one IP of this machine that's sitting outside of our firewall. And what that does is it basically protects us from anybody hacking straight through. It basically adds another level that they would have to they would have to hack through to that that server and then they'd have to hack that server through to get all the way through. Right. So so that's that's the goal. The problem is every time I want to make a change to this or I want to switch the machine, I have to get IT involved mm-hmm. to update the firewall and to update that that proxy machine out there to point to a new location and it's very painful. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. So what Argo Tunnel does, think of like if you're using Laravel Valet, how when you do valet share, it just magically opens up this port that's available on the outside world, right? It's, how does it do that? Is it poking a hole in your network firewall? No, it's not doing that, right? What instead is it's doing is it's connecting uh using outbound traffic uh because there are no filters mm-hmm. on your outbound traffic. And I'm not sure exactly if this is how Valet works, but there there are no like firewall rules on outbound traffic. So that's why like your IT team doesn't have to make an exception to every new website that comes out, they don't have to add a new firewall rule to say, okay, you can get to google.com and you can get to domains.google.com now. It's like outbound traffic is not filtered typically. Mm -hmm. It can be, but it's not typically. Inbound traffic is typically what they're worried about, right? So what what, uh, Cloudflare Argo does is it basically puts a little agent. You can put a little agent on whatever server that you're going to be using and then it connects to Cloudflare using an SSL. It, It installs an SSL cert And then what it allows you to do is you can literally block all port 80 and port 443 traffic to that machine. You can basically put it in a little bubble. Nobody can talk Mm -hmm. to it except for this Cloudflare service agent. And it just talks directly to Cloudflare through your network. It it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. And so now all that happens is Cloudflare gets the request to app.example.com and it says, oh, I'm handling that through my special tunnel. Let me mm-hmm. talk to the agent that's sitting on that machine, send the request to it. The agent handles that and builds the re- builds the response, sends it back through that same tunnel to Cloudflare Argo, and then it spits mm-hmm. out the response to the user. It is freaking incredible. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's really, really cool. So the reason why that's relevant, not only for the situation I just talked about, but for also other situations is like things like PCI compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes it really nice because it's got intrusion detection. It logs every single access that happens yeah uh it locks down that machine airtight nothing can talk to it except for this you know this agent and then if you want to ssh in that's it that's Mm -hmm. all you can do there is no web traffic happening you can't you can't do it so if anybody tries to hit that ip address with 80 or 443 nothing there it's pretty pretty neat so if that sounds like something that's interesting to you you should check it out it's very affordable as well and you could also do it as like, you could actually use it as something like valet share if you cared to. Like you could, you can run a Cloudflare Argo straight from your machine, uh, like your Mac. And what it can also yeah. do then is you can use your own domain. So like if you have like michaeldorinda.net or something, mm-hmm. you could, you could spin up quickly a myapp.michaeldorinda.net mm-hmm. and use Argo to to serve that. And it would go straight through to your machine. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty neat. So check
0: that out. Yeah. Very nice. Very hey guys, nice. that's that's
1: all I've got today. But uh, those are kind of the things I've been thinking about. So that's pretty cool. You know, like yeah, was- I feel like blog posts and videos and stuff. Like I don't, I, I don't feel like I necessarily actually have the time to do most of those. So hopefully this can act as a little outlet for all the things that are bouncing around in my brain for anybody who actually mm. listens to this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's cool. I am. It's always good to talk about refactoring and and that kind of stuff because I know that there's a lot of people out there that are doing it and. Chris Fidel keeps on yanking my chain about it. He's like, when are you going to talk about doing this stuff at scale and like actual big applications and things like that? And I said, look, my applications are not... Like the problems I'm solving are not interesting problems. The problems I'm solving are legacy cruft problems and like yeah. working around them. They're not, they're not like running Laravel at scale. Like if you want to talk about Laravel at scale, I think... um Jack Ellis just said today yeah. or yesterday that he's going to look at doing deploying infrastructure at scale and things like that for as part of his Serverless Laravel course. So that might be something interesting. But in terms of the stuff that I do, it's a lot of it is just duct tape and and blue tack and like hoping for the best in a lot of <laughs> a lot of scenarios. I'm actually very excited. I've got a, a project that I will be starting tomorrow to redo our online signup. Um, and that'll be vanilla, like starting from scratch, brand new, brand new live on you, live wire. I'm dude, gonna, I, live I'm gonna, wire, yeah, I'm gonna sure. do. I'm gonna go live wire Alpine. It's gonna be you a multi stack form. Yeah, I did. I spun that tall stack up. I did actually spin that up on then ping me, and I have got it to the point where I now have a blank page for <laughs> our project list. So it's it's that working. tall stack
1: is freaking awesome. Yeah.
0: But it's cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to be using that for, for this project. So toll being Tailwind, Alpine, JS, LiveWire Framework not and enough. Laravel. So I'll be I'll be doing that. I'm looking forward to it. It'll simplify a lot of stuff for me in terms of you know not having to have these giant view components and managing state between things. I'll just be able to send requests to the server and get responses and, and keep it all in sync that way. It'll be a, a multi-step form, which I know that you've had some fun with in the past, yep. but unlike yep. you, I just send a request to the server and then save the step and then go to the next step. So actually, yeah, I think if I no, had to
1: do it again, I would do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Because you were storing it in like JavaScript or Vue, something, weren't you? J- yeah, I was
1: storing in uh, in VueX. Yeah. Yeah. Which so was, was okay. Storing... It was really snappy. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, I feel like at this point, like with, with
0: uh, Livewire,
1: it it's mm-hmm. feels pretty snappy too. So
0: yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I was the, the current iteration of this form is storing things in session, which is okay, but it doesn't really make it easy for you to resume, you know, and come back to it later and things like that. Because if yeah, the, the sure. session times out, then it's gone. You're screwed. Yeah. Um, there's no, and because it's a sales process, there's no way for our sales team to like, if they wanted to go and find, you know, like, what do you call abandoned them Orphaned orders, abandoned yeah. orders, things like that. And like, figure out why customers didn't and see if they can hand handhold them through and things like that. So it'll be cool to, to do that. And then we're going to use Nova for the administration side of things because I don't want to write that myself and Nova is going to make it really easy. So yeah, I should be able to knock this out pretty quickly. I'm uh, going to use, you know, Tailwind for all the, Tailwind UI for a lot of the, uh, the structural elements of it. We've got in-house marketing and design team that that will you know, give direction on what it needs to look like. But in terms of, building it you know it's like a six six page thing so it's it's not going to be a huge amount of work okay so there's no forks
1: in it like you don't have like a conditional path
0: no not really there's like a couple of small deviations like little side quests, depending on whether you have a a fixed line technology or a or a wireless technology but not enough to warrant like you could go this way or like you'd go that way and then you'd come straight back Um, okay so it's there's not much deviation it's it's really a bouncing ball like what is your name? What is your address that we're providing a service to you at? You know, contact details, email, phone number. Next step: choose a plan. Next step: do you need to buy a router? Next step: what contract do you want? Next step: do you need an appointment? Next step: done. Like here's your summary. Yes, yeah. I agree to all the terms and conditions. Like that's it. It's it's a simple process. It's just a matter of like handling all of the the cases of like if you choose this, then that kind of thing. But the, there's no huge forks it's it's pretty much we ask you the same questions irrespective
1: okay let me know when you're ready for that state machine talk bro because i'm promising you i promise you i know i know like from the top view
0: it's like oh no there's no forks you'll find them They'll you be can there. go forward you can you can be on the step you're on you can go back a step you can go back to any of the steps that you've completed and you can go forward to the next one that's it and i oh boy even that <laughs> i've but i built this already oh you already built, built this it, okay. already yeah, it's literally one class that's like, here are all the steps. You can go forwards or you can go backwards, and that's it. Sweet. That's awesome. I managed to, to keep it simple. Keep it we simple, had, simple. We
1: have a wizard that is quite complex. Wilbur Power yeah. did an excellent job of building it. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's like, it's probably five different ends, end like game. Like you could say, you, know, you go to here to here and then d- depending on that, it goes, I mean, it goes, there's a lot of different. I don't even know how many different variations there could possibly be. I should probably run that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot and it works every yeah. time perfectly. And we also get like history of where they, where they jumped, which places. And then, like you said, sort of, we get like a payload that dumps out and says, here's the things they did. Here's the information they put in. And then we know if they started or if they finished or if they, you know, abandoned or whatever. This is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Luckily we basically just go like if they're on this step, we know that they've completed the previous one. Because they can't be on yeah. this one unless they've done the previous one. Right. And unless they've already done it. It's yep. a it's fairly linear progression. So we just say, like from step one, we would post to the server, we would validate. If everything passes, we'd say, okay, they've completed store step it. one. They're yep. now on step two. And and then they can go there. And so we store like step this is step zero. This is step one through six, whatever, one through five. Yep if they're on 2 we know they've completed 0 and 1 so they can be on 2 but they can't go to 3 unless they post step 2 we validate yeah. it, that's all fine and then we say okay now you're on step 3 yeah sure um, so it's easy to come back there and and that's pretty much how we did it with the with the current version there's there's not really too many changes like they can go back but they can't go forward like you can't go to a step unless the current one or the or the most up to the the furthest Part that you have completed is done right so you yeah. can't go from step two to step four you have to go to three um and we just basically catch them and say oh you can't go there and and say this step now so yeah I'm, I'm look i'm just looking forward to getting rid of all of that view because we've had it for about three years now and it's just really complicated and we've like jammed so much stuff in there that it's it's starting to get a bit dicey you know every time we add a new piece of logic it's like oh let's just throw another v if it there and <laughs> and a computed property and, and and whatever else. So yeah, it'd be nice to just r- reset and and have a good think about it and figure out what needs to go where and and do do it again. So use that use that Mikado method. Yeah, now nah, just going to scrap it and start again.
1: Hey, whatever works. <laughs> this
0: one, this one have the, we have the luxury.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's nice. That's nice.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is episode 76.
1: And if you like the show, please rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. Come talk to us on Twitter at Michael Bennett. At Michael Bennett. At Michael Bennett. We're we're brothers now.
0: Not the first time you've uh, done that. Michael weird.
1: I know. It's not. It's the second. At Michael Dorinda (laughs) at Jake Bennett, or at Audio. Uh, If you would like show us for this episode, you can find them at NorthMeetSouth.audio slash 76. I think that's all of it. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe, stay well, stay home. Maybe. Check uh, out Fathom Analytics. Thing. Well, on yep, Use fathom.com/slash right. north. Couldn't be any easier. No, it wouldn't. All right, everybody. Sounds All good. Right, See good. you See in two weeks. Next time. Bye. Bye.